This is Art Matters. I'm Farron Gibson. This series is produced by Art UK, the online home of the UK's public art collections. Browse great art and stories online at artuk.org. You can follow me on social media at Baron Gibson and follow Art UK at artuk.org, spelling out the word dot. For 30 years, we've gotten to know Homer, Marge, Bart, Lisa, Maggie, and the many quirky characters living in the sunny town of Springfield. At its heart, The Simpsons is an animated series designed to make us laugh, but it also offers us a glimpse into 20th century American culture in a way that resonates with people across the world. I had a conversation with Emily Vanderwerth, critic at large for Vox, discussing this iconic series and how the cartoon has used art as a way to deepen conversations around pop culture. She counts The Simpsons amongst her favorite television shows, and given the length of the show's run, it's clear that she's not alone in that feeling. So what makes the show so special? You know, some of it is just, it's a show that was willing to skewer TV convention. It's a show that really dug into sort of the cliches and tropes of television in a way that unpacked them. That was also very funny. Like that sounds very scholarly, but it was, it was just hilarious. Like the jokes that they came up with about that. But I also feel like it, it says a lot of fundamentally true things about uh, America and you know, sort of things that as we live through this current era in America, maybe should have been <laughs> warning signs on the part of the show. But it's interesting, the idea of America as this kind of collection of communities, you know, going from the family up to the town, up to the nation is just, it really is a smart way to sort of unpack the ways that reason kind of abandons you the further yeah. the further up you get through that chain but it's also a very warm and, and kind show you know it's not as it's it's a it's got certainly a cynical sense of humor at times but it really does believe this family loves each other and it really does believe that the town of springfield as broken as it is is ultimately a good place to live so it's kind of that balance of cynicism and optimism that really exemplifies the spirit of the show's original creators that I, I find just a, a terrific sort of riff on what TV can do. One of the running gags of the show is that everyone tries to figure out where's Springfield, you know, is it Missouri? Yeah. Is it, you know, do you think that their refusal to say where it is, is, is kind of trying to make it, it's any town USA? Yeah, I think that that's really true. And they deliberately picked the town that I believe there are more towns named Springfield in more states in the United States than any other town name. Uh, I, I think that uh, I, I was trying to find a fictional generic U.S. town name a few months ago for a project, and Springfield is way up there. But now, of course, you can't use Springfield because it's so associated with The Simpsons that yeah. it just feels like you're riffing on that. But yeah, I I do feel like their refusal to say where Springfield is is an attempt to keep it in any town USA, but also it lets them have, you know, mountains right next to Springfield. They have the ocean right next to Springfield. They can have, like, the city can be any size they want to tell whatever sort of story they want. It's it's kind of like... Uh, the TARDIS in Doctor yeah. Who Springfield is. It's 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 far larger on the inside than it appears. There are at least 40 towns in the U.S. named Springfield spread across 22 states. They're also found across the world, including here in the U.K., Canada, and New Zealand. 
The name is common enough to be believable, but so prevalent that you can't quite place it. It could be a town in any U.S. state, and this seems in keeping with the strong themes of American culture found throughout the series. You mentioned doing art references in The Simpsons, which never even occurred to me. Um, and when I looked up kind of some of the art references that occur, there are loads of them. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things I've noticed is that there's a lot of like Norman Rockwell references, mm. there's references to kind of America, Akana images like um, American Gothic. I think there's a painting of American Gothic in their house and Edward Hopper's Nighthawks. And it feels like there's this thread there of really trying to push this kind of Americana narrative. Right, right. I think that one of the things that's interesting about The Simpsons is it is kind of an encapsulation of and distillation of 20th century American pop culture. And of course, 20th century American pop culture is still, it's weirdly still kind of the dominant media form, even though we're 18 years into the 21st century. And Mm. I think that you, one of the things that, that that also is reflected in is in the references to art. Certainly there are references to, you know, great classics of the pre 20th century period, um, including in, I think one of the episodes we're going to reference, but a lot of the paintings you mentioned is especially the American ones are 20th century paintings. There are 20th century works that became iconic through their association with other, you know, they were reprinted in magazines or whatever, so everybody got to see them. Or like Norman Rockwell's paintings were often the cover of the Saturday yeah. Post. So that is kind of an interesting thing, like that when The Simpsons deals with art, it is often explicitly dealing with 20th century American art, because that's sort of part of its core mission statement, is to distill American culture of the 20th century into like its finest form and then, you know, display it to the world. Many of these art references are so subtly threaded throughout the series that you might blink and miss them. The mark of a clever and relevant use of an image reference. Lovers of art may be accustomed to the idea of pop artists appropriating popular culture in their works, but what happens when popular culture appropriates art? I feel like for art to be appreciated, and I am not a great art appreciator, I should say. Like, I certainly like art, but like when I go to a museum and look at a painting, I I feel like I don't get to that deeper level that some people do. You're not one of those people that's like, I could do this. No. Are you one of them? Okay, good. I'm not (laughs) one of those people at all. But like, I definitely like will go to, you know, when I watch a great episode of television, I feel like I can get like five levels deep. When I see like, uh, this is a dumb example, but I was I was in Paris and, and mm-hmm. of course went to see the Mona Lisa because that's what you do. <laughs> and yes. like, I, I certainly thought I, I was blown away by it. Like I'm, I'm frequently, I never get past the level of like, wow, that is amazing. That is impressive. I am so moved by this. I never get down to like where you think about larger things about the human condition that the work of art is trying to say. So I certainly like, love great art um and i don't feel like it's something i could do because believe me i spent a lot of my childhood trying to be uh, a cartoonist and was terrible at it (laughs) and i realized that cartoonist is very different but like my brain does not think visually in the way that a great uh painters does Mm -hmm. so do you think that these pop culture references kind of help sorry these art references within pop culture help people to kind of access that. Yeah, but I do think that there's a danger to that. Like when you see American Gothic now, you're almost seeing all of the times it's been referenced and parodied within 
other pop culture, whether that's The Simpsons or I think The Muppets did something with it. You know, you can you can name all of these examples. And like now, when you see the painting, you're bringing all of that baggage to it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think it's like given the painting this great long life. And as long as humanity exists and we have some notion of what the American experiment means, like I think American Gothic will continue to matter. So like in terms of the painter having longevity, like that's, that's a good thing. But also I can tell you exactly what American Gothic looks like, and I can tell you exactly what, you know, parodies of it have been. But I'm not like I, I could take a few stabs at what it means in terms of like what the painting is supposed to be about, but I'm also not one hundred percent sure I could tell you who the artist is, you know? Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In the way that like I know the Mona Lisa was painted by Leonardo da Vinci, you know. So I think that that is kind of a danger of a work of art getting into pop culture as much as something like American Gothic has, is it decouples from whatever its original intent was and gets surrounded by all of these other intents that are sort of jostling yeah. with it for space. But maybe that's valid, you know, it, now, it, now it's taking on a second life. Yeah. I've mentioned the longevity of The Simpsons, 31 years and counting since it debuted on The Tracy Ullman Show. It's a series that spans trends, countries, and generations. Within the relatively short history of television, the series certainly seems to have staying power, but how does that compare to other visual mediums? I don't know that we've had a television show that will have the longevity of some of these great works of art. Certainly, you know, television as a medium has not been around for 600 years, so we can't be sitting here talking about, you know, watching I Love Lucy in the Louvre, but I Love Lucy is really the one show from the early days of television that has had any permanence and you know how much longer is that going to last the further we get from sort of the times in which it was made television is inherently ephemeral in a lot of ways it was designed to be watched between soap commercials and forgotten about very quickly and i think the medium has made great works of art but i also am skeptical that any of them will have the long lastingness of even like a great film to compare a very similar medium well, it says a lot for The Simpsons, and I was going to ask you this, that it's been on on television for so long. And I, I do wonder, you know, it resonates with people across the world. I'm in the UK. Yeah. People here are really excited about the fact that we're doing this episode. You know, it's what is it that makes it resonate with people? This is an interesting question, and I've been thinking about sort of my earlier statement about how it's a distillation of 20th century pop culture. And when The Simpsons now does an episode that's like, just for a dumb example, like they did an episode about smartphones a couple of years ago. It feels weird that The Simpsons have smartphones, even though like the show technically still exists. It's still running. We've had smartphones yeah. for over 10 years now, but it still feels like too new of a technology for Homer Simpson to, you know, pull out an iPhone and like tap around on it. But I think that it persists and it continues because it's such a perfect blank slate for literally anything you want to talk about. Mm. Like the few times it's really gotten in trouble. I'm thinking of, I believe it was an episode where they went to Brazil and Brazil got very angry with their depiction of with the Simpsons depiction of Brazil. Um, and like, that was a time when the Simpsons like tried to have some specificity. I feel like when the show has specificity about time and place is kind of when it struggles. It almost needs to sort of take place in an eternal 1992 and like 
just like live in that space and not have a lot of identifiers about where it takes place outside of somewhere in the United States. So I think that that is part of its appeal is that it's timeless enough that even now, uh, nearly 30 seasons into its run, they do a couple episodes every year where I'm like, yeah, that, that was a really strong episode of the show. Or even the episodes I don't like, there's frequently a gag that makes me laugh just a lot. And I think that that is sort of a testament to the fact that the show is blank enough that you can project a lot of what uh, what you want onto it. So with that foundation of the show's cultural impact, let's dig into some specific art references that happen in the series, starting with what I consider the strongest grouping of these examples in any one episode. It's episode 19 of season 10, and it's called Mom and Pop Art. There are so many references throughout the throughout the whole series, but this one in particular is just jam packed full of um, art references. Mm. And <clears throat> when I've brought it up to people, I'm like, "Oh, I'm going to do one. I think it's called, it's called Mom and Pop Art." And people have been like, "Oh, is that the one where Homer becomes an artist?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, people know it. So do you do you want to do maybe a, like a brief summary of what happens in the episode if you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mom and Pop Art is an episode about Homer Simpson is sort of trying to assemble i believe it's a barbecue thing like a like a grill and he <laughs> is unable to he screws it all up it gets vastly distorted and it is acclaimed as a work of outsider art through just kind of a weird string of things that happen and homer has his mangled barbecue kit displayed in several museums including i believe the louvre <laughs> and then everybody is and then everybody is impressed by him i think mr burns buys the thing yeah and uh-huh. so now he's like this this acclaimed american outsider artist and he continues using his stereotypical homer simpson anger to keep making more art and he meets some he meets some other artists um, there, I think the art dealer is like Isabella Rossellini or something. And so the episode basically concludes with Homer going to sort of see some great art and realizing like he's not, and he goes to the museum and he realizes he's not an artist. And then he ends up flooding the town and, yes, as an art piece. Yeah, as an art piece. <laughs> and everybody really likes it instead of being concerned about the infrastructure of Springfield yeah. and what will happen yes. once it's underwater. But yes, yeah. it turned the... And for some reason, Jasper Johns is like throughout the episode stealing yes. things. That is the <laughs> thing that I love about um, The Simpsons is when it does an episode like this, yes, they have a guest voice like Isabella Rossellini, but then they also like do their due diligence of like, okay, we're going to get Jasper Johns in this episode. Like yeah. what other show would have Jasper Johns do a guest voice? Yeah. Um, yeah, it exactly. kind of reminds me of like, they've had Thomas Pynchon on the show several times. So yeah, it's hyper specific. It's like, yeah. who, who, who decided this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like the, the setting is so generic and blank. Like we talked about that they can get really specific in terms of their gags. Like they can have Jasper Johns on. And a lot of the joke is, Hey, the Simpsons has Jasper Johns on the show and he's saying goofy things. So there's a couple of things that happen in this episode that 
are interesting um, that stood out to me. One of them, uh, not even not speaking in order, is that Matt Groening puts one of his own works in the museum. <laughs> um, so it's, it's his own drawing. And uh, I think Homer and Marge look at it and they're like, who's this guy? Yeah. And then um, as he says that, a giant eraser comes onto the screen as if it's going to erase Homer. And it turns out to be like a Klaus Oldenburg sculpture. <laughs> so it's really funny. Um, yeah. And uh, Marge is really jealous throughout the episode because I guess she's yes. really an artist. Yes. You know. We have just like a lot of indication that as a, as a child and as a teenager throughout the series, we see that March was a painter of some sort. She painted, I think George Harrison is the beetle that she painted and she like sent him her painting and it's, mm-hmm. it's decade. Like in the, in the show, George Harrison responds to all <laughs> Um, responds to all fan mail personally and by hand, and it's taken him decades uh-huh. to do so. So he gets to Marge's painting, and he's like, wow, what a great painting, Marge. Uh-huh. I'm not going to try to do the Liverpudlian accent. Or- oh, yes. <laughs> um, and like, it, that is, so that is a plot for an episode. So yes, there is this strain of Marge is upset that her husband's accidental work yeah. has become so acclaimed. And I think that you know, you were talking about the idea of people say, well, I could do that. And it feels superficially, mm-hmm. if you hear the description of this episode, like it's sort of sort of the Simpsons doing a snide riff on that. But the deeper you get into it, the more it's about like the idea of, okay, so if we find work that's interesting from someone who is outside of the mainstream alt art culture often to the I I shouldn't say often sometimes to the degree that they have they're not neurotypical in some way let's say Mm -hmm. like is that in some ways an exploitation of them because a lot of like the art world in this episode you can sort of feel their snide smug um condescension towards Homer, even as they're impressed by his work. So it, it's more- They were definitely poking fun at the art world in a way throughout the episode, in, in terms of just the stereotypes. Yeah. They called him, um, there were Europeans that came in and they were really interested in Homer in a cool way. And then when they saw his next group of work, they were like, no, it's more the same. I'm bored, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's here today, gone tomorrow kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's making fun of sort of the stereotypes we have about the art world and then also about kind of uh, artists who come out of nowhere and often are from, uh, you know, who have like sort of these weird Homer Simpson style origin stories. But it's not doing so in a way that, invalidates either point of view, which I think is a key to a great Simpsons episode. It is interested in the idea that both of these sides have arrived at the way they think for, for their own reasons, for their own like intelligent and smart reasons. I don't know if we can call Homer Simpson intelligent, but you know what I mean? (laughs) He He certainly has his reasons for why he does the things he does. And that is a more interesting conflict, I think. Yeah, interspersed within this episode of like the silliness that's happening in here, Marge gives a little bit of like an art history lesson, and um, Lisa does says some things as well. And um, Marge, as they're uh, and sorry, Marge and Homer are walking through the museum together, and she's saying, "Oh, this is a this, this is a that." And when the Oldenburg comes on, she says something like, "He defied convention and embraced American popular culture." Mm-hmm. Um, in describing him. And I thought that that was really poignant that they would single that out as something that she would describe. It felt like 
um, very purposeful that they would include that, you know, that reference to pop culture. Yeah, I think that I don't, you know, I, I this actually makes me think about the graining uh, drawing that's in the museum, which is you read this a lot from cartoonists, especially of the late 20th century. I don't think graining is actually saying this, but I'm, I'm going to riff on it anyway. Uh, you think mm-hmm. about um, Bill Watterson, the guy who drew Calvin and Hobbes for 10 years. And he frequently felt when he was, um, he frequently felt when you read a lot of his writing that cartooning was uh, undervalued as an art form, was seen purely as commercial, and his stuff was never going to hang in a museum. And like he said that in a joking way, but he said it enough times, like where you'd realize, oh, Bill Watterson, like, kind of thinks there should be a museum in which a Calvin and Hobbes strip is hanging. And now his work has been displayed mm-hmm. in several museums because sort of people realize that as this terrific work of art, the, the whole of the comic strip. So like, I think that, that, you know, that was a prominent idea in the back half of the 20th century is that people who drew comic strips, people who drew comic books, you know, these great artists of pop art, like kind of had this feeling that, oh, maybe we should be more valued than we are. And I do feel like Groening is riffing on that a little bit by including himself in this museum. But I don't think that Groening feels that strongly about it because he has like billions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Lichtenstein, who did um, a lot of things that were inspired by comics and print media and stuff, he definitely brought that to his work. I mean, one of his first paintings in that style is of Mickey Mouse. Yeah, thank you for having his name because I knew there was a guy and I was like, "Ah." Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's him. Going back further, there's an early episode in season one called The Crepes of Wrath that may be the first use of art references in the series. The title is a pun on the John Steinbeck novel, The Grapes of Wrath. So there in the title, we have a nod to an iconic work in the canon of American literature classics. Now let's have a look at the art. You know, there's this famous episode, and it's the first season episode, The Crepes of Wrath. And it is, I remember reading a summary of it. TV Guide did a list of the 100 greatest TV episodes of all time in like 1997, 98, somewhere in there. I was was a teenager. And I bought it and read it, because in The Simpsons was at that time my favorite show. And they had the Crepes of Wrath on the list as the representative of The Simpsons. And I was like, that is not a very good episode of the show. And to this day, I don't think it's a great episode of the show. But one of the things that TV Guide singled out that I had not realized at the time was that when Bart is in France, which is sort of the plot of that episode, is that he goes on an exchange program to France and is exploited by people who want him to help them make wine. Um, That when he's there, like he runs past several backgrounds that are taken from French paintings. And that to me was always really cool that like buried in the background of this otherwise frenetic Simpsons episode is this little, not only like a little art history lesson, but an art history lesson for a specific place. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I, I, I had that episode in mind um, to discuss today, but I, I didn't make the further connection that it was really France specific. You are right about that. Yeah, it's a, there's a, I, I'm looking it up on Wikipedia, so I'm not just pulling there's this There's Monet's Water Lilies, uh, Van Gogh's, um, it's one of the scenes in the kind of hay fields. I can't remember this specific one. And then there's Manet's Le Déjeuner Soleil. Yeah. 
uh, and yeah, it's uh, luncheon on the you thing. know it's definitely one of these things where like you can tell it's written by people who have a lot of appreciation for French culture but are not French, um, which you get a yes. lot of times when American pop culture uh, kind of goes overseas in some way. But it's certainly affectionate, and I've always sort of felt like that adds a layer to an episode that without it would not be. Uh, one of the strongest Simpsons episodes. So I, I, I've always had a soft spot for that one. Um, and, you know, you just like, there's been so many times over the years that, uh, that the show has riffed on a specific image or a specific painting in a way that animation can get away with that, like, it's hard to do in live action. So I, I, uh, I've always appreciated that about the show. I'm sure there are many references I haven't picked up on. My thanks to Emily for joining me for a fantastic conversation about The Simpsons. If you'd like to hear more from her, you're in luck because you can find a lot of her work over at Vox, and you can follow her on Twitter at EmilyBDW. As always, thank you for listening, and please join us again next time.